Hey, dog. Oh, hey, Karen. How's it going? It's a going. How are you? It goes. Here we are in April. Spring uh, is here. People are getting their fauci ouchies left and right. Eventually, uh, we'll be a couple of them. I should be ouching in a couple of days. I hope so. We should be, too. Who knows? So I, I had like this... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I was going to say, so I had the COVID scare last week. <laughs> yeah, so one of the reasons that we ended up uh, delaying this podcast from last week is because Karen reached out and wasn't feeling great and was legitimately concerned that she might have somehow gotten COVID. She took a COVID test, but we didn't know the results until after we were going to record this. Um, and it the great news is... I am negative. It took them two days to get my results back to me. I was like, what the fuck? And there was a whole fuck up. There was a whole What was fuck the up fuck up? With... All right. It's a bit of a long story, but my kid has had to get tested like about a hundred times um, because of like school. Yeah. So like anytime they have like an extended break, Thanksgiving break, ho Christmas holiday, uh -oh. like whatever, they, they're required to get tested before they go back to school. And so, um, so, and, the, and then they do testing at school, like, cause every, you know, she's in person every other week and they test in the middle of the week the kids that are in person every week they have like covid tests rapid covid tests going on this kid has gotten more shit stuck up her nose this year <laughs> um <laughs> poor thing so anyway because she needed this when i set up the appoint the her you know initially when i put her into the system so that she could start getting these tests um it was like it wasn't clear that I could make an account and then put her under it. Like I thought she had to have her own account, and it wasn't until I made the account that like I realized, oh, actually, she should have been put in. But it was like whatever. Like I never, I actually never got COVID tested. So I, because I never had an issue. Like it was like because yeah. you know I I work from home. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I go. To, you know what I mean. So I was like, well. You know, I mean, guys, no Karen is very cool. She does have a life. She's underselling <laughs> But especially during COVID, like, I was, like, honestly, like, right, I was right. made for COVID. Like, I was set up for this. So, you know, so I, like, you know, because anytime anybody got exposed, it was her or my husband. And so they would have to go get their tests, and then I would just wait. And if they were negative, I was fine, right? So I... All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I had, like, all of these, like, I had all these weird symptoms. Like, um, I still kind of have them. Like, my, my, I have, like, a little bit of a sore throat. And my ears are kind of bothering me. And my tongue feels swollen. Yeesh. I know, which is really weird. Um, so I was, like, and I just was, like, getting, like, I was getting, like, I felt my skin was, like, hot. And a couple of days before, I was having, like, weird rashes. Pro I guess maybe I'm having a reaction to something. I don't know. Like, it's just, I have no idea. So I went, so I was, like, well, shit, I have to go get this test. But anyway, so the so I go online to, like, get the test. And, like, I changed all of the information online so it was me. But then when they sent me the confirmation, they sent it to my under my daughter's name and I couldn't like oh. figure out how to change that and like so I went to the appointment and I was like 
look, there was a problem because originally I tried to just sign up for a whole new account with a different email address and all of that. But of course the website's fucked up. So it doesn't even let you go past the first page. And I did it on like the incognito window. I did like all of this shit and I couldn't get it. And then it comes through, came through wrong. So I went to the testing and I, I was like trying to explain to them what the problem was. And then I gave that. Anyway, long story short, they, they were so confused. It actually took me forever to get the test because nobody knew what to do. And then I finally got the test and they were like, well, if you don't hear from us, come back tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't want to come back tomorrow. Um, so I just ended up waiting and waiting. And then like, usually like we, we would get within 24 hours, we were always getting this response and it like took them two days. And I was like, something mm -hmm. fucked up, something fucked up. I'm going to have to go back. And then, you know, but then it came back, uh, it finally came back negative. But by then it was too late. I had to cancel my dentist appointment. Um, so I went to the dentist today. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. You went. I went. I went. So, dentist yeah, today, but, podcast today. You're back on track. I know I'm back on track. So, yeah. So, yay. And then I'm, ha and then I, and then I managed to get a vaccine appointment. So today as well. So that was pretty exciting. Yes, so maybe we will have embarked on the beginning of our Vax journey by the time we recap episode three of season six. Right, so fingers, we're on episode, Fingers crossed. We're on episode two, Trojan Horse. I saw this now. It's been over Trojan a week. Trojan Stork. So, oh, I've got the Trojan Horse on the, the tro Okay. Yeah, because okay. we're talking a lot about bebés. We are, are talking a lot about bebés. So whatever it is. Um, we've got, uh, we've got shit to recap and I don't remember a lot of it. So Doug, take it away. Lean on me. <laughs> let me do it. And I had an idea, which is because for me, this episode is like, you know, it's like one step up and like 17 steps back or something, but I want to talk, I want to lean into the positive. So I want to, okay. I want to start, I think the episode gets off to a great start. So I want to talk about the cold open first, and then we can splinter off and, and kind of sum up the the different storylines that move out from there. But we start okay. at the complex. So we're gonna yeah. uh, Matt is gone, Jake and Allison are gone, Sid is dead. We're gonna hear a lot about that still. Um, and Megan is currently hanging out at Melrose Place too. So we open with her in the pool. She's doing the backstroke while uh, Brett arrives. Coop arrives. Um, <laughs> And also, want to note, she was in a one-piece, not a bikini. In a onesie. Not in a bikini. Um, Didn't we talk so, about this before, right? We had that conversation about how the bathing suits are always bathing suits, never bikinis. I think specific to Amanda in one of her, um, her, her black one-piece numbers. We had discussed it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Megan's in a... I think it's the only one that we've ever seen. Maybe we're... A bikini is uh, Taylor, which would go with the character. Or if it wasn't, if it wasn't that she was wearing a two-piece, it was that um, she was just wearing, you know, lingerie or brown underwear. <laughs> in a bra and underwear. <laughs> okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> That's the picture I have in my mind. So um, essentially, Megan talks to Coop, and from the pool, she's like catching him up on everything that's happening in. Uh, the lives of the Melrose residents because he's yeah. going to take over Matt's newly vacant 
apartment. And so we kind of are back to where we used to be years ago, where like everything was like happening and connected uh, at, at the apartment. So Jennifer gets back from a jog and she tells Megan to return Michael's calls. And, um, and then Taylor storms out and she's mad that Amanda is evicting her from Jake's. And, uh, you know, at one point, Billy leaves and Sam slams the door back. And, you know, they've got to fill Coop in on the whole, like, well, Sid is dead because of Sam's dad thing. Like, all, all of that sort of thing. And so I'm, I applaud the episode for doing that. I think they handled um, it, what what was essentially an info dump, I think that they really did handle it well by having all of the characters sort of fly by so that Megan could kind of catch him up. It was almost like the beginning of Act Two of a play after you've returned. Yes! <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> For all the people that forget what happened over those 15 minutes, here is a summary. That's basically... Uh, what we have here, but I thought it was really well executed and very much in keeping with like Melrose at its best. So I applaud them for that. And then um, Peter comes by uh, to drop off a bunch of stuff at Taylor's, and um, and that's when Amanda overhears that Taylor is pregnant. And then the episode takes off from there. Yes. Um, so we can, I think we can take three different approaches. We can talk mostly about Craig and, and Jennifer with a little bit of Sam. We could talk about Amanda, Kyle, and Peter and Taylor. Or we can talk about Megan and Michael with a little bit of Coop and like a smidge of Peter there. Um, ah, you are driving the ship, my friend. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do Michael. Okay. So, okay. Michael and Peter are at war with each other now. Almost literal war with each other because they're inflicting all sorts of bodily harm on the other. Megan shows up at work and sees Peter. Basically, both are surprised to see the other there. And, and he's like, well, she says, you may be mad at Michael, but I didn't have anyone tell me I was fired. So I'm still coming to work and keeping this place in motion. Um, and she says she has moved out of the beach house, but is not taking sides. Uh, and then Jennifer shows up to the office to tell Megan that Megan should be there because they're about to operate on Michael's hands. Thanks right. to Coop. Um, and then Michael get, or Megan gets there and doesn't give a shit that Megan has shown up. Uh, he just wants to make sure that Peter won't figure out the password on his computer and see all the files of stuff that Michael has. Um, so that's Michael's only focus. This is Megan off. Megan tells Jennifer, never lie to me again, which I feel like Jennifer is probably not done lying. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Can I just say, I am intrigued by Coop. Well, as you should be. Like, they have made him a very enigmatic guy who it's like, okay, it's clear there's secrecy there, but he doesn't seem to be, like, an a-hole with secrets, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get, I get a sense that he's kind of biding his time, mm -hmm. um, but I'm completely, I, I, like, I'm completely fascinated with this character, and I'm very curious to see, like, how it all unravels. Yeah, as you should be. I think, um, I don't remember how long it takes for them to unravel things. 
Okay. A bit, maybe. Okay. And I'm wondering if something is going to happen between him and Megan. I feel like you have your writer's hat on right now. Ooh. <laughs> They're leaving breadcrumbs and I'm picking them up. You have picked them all up. Meanwhile, there is a uh, brief encounter, if you will, of Jennifer running into Coop at the hospital. And Jennifer is, like, immediately on that, like, Coop has a secret, too. So Jennifer is picking up some of those breadcrumbs, too. But Jennifer is messy, so she's going to drop other breadcrumbs later. That's a bad metaphor, but whatever. Um, <laughs> meanwhile... And Jennifer is not a fan, if I remember. Yeah, like, Jennifer, totally no, not Jennifer, fan, Jennifer thinks he has a secret and thinks, like, it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. a fan. Um, meanwhile, Michael is nowhere to be found because he has made his way back to the Burns Mancini office and is deleting his files. And this is where everyone wears their moron hat, right? Because because his hands are all wrapped up and he's, he's like still got the gauze. He's got these paws and gauze. <laughs> and he deserves an Emmy. I mean, Thomas Calabro, because he just goes for it. He goes yeah. for it. Yeah, shameless. Famous man on Yeah. Definitely our most undersung player. Um, so Peter shows up, and Michael is freaking out because he's like, oh, oh no, Peter has already figured out my password, which was, what's it? Okay, C dot O dot S period, uh, C period, O period, S period, chief of staff. Chief of staff. That was <laughs> not a hard one. Yeah, it's 25 one. years ago, so he didn't need to have uh, a number or a special character in there, I guess. Um, so Peter is an idiot because he says that not only was he able to log in, but he was able to save all of these files that Michael had that incriminate him on disc and then peter holds the disc out in his hand so then he and michael immediately fight over it michael is able to successfully grab the disc and he puts it in the microwave so dumb peter has actually lost all of what he had on michael and um, michael meanwhile has blood on his hands because he busted a stitch so megan is there to witness all of this idiocy and she takes michael back to the beach house and it seems like i don't know there might be a little bit of a, a detente between the two of them. Um, but what's funnier is the next time we see Michael and Peter, which is at the hospital, and they see yeah. each other, like, on opposite sides of the hall and approach each other like it's uh, a, a, a Western standoff. Um, the, music, <laughs> the music is like karaoke meets spaghetti Western. And so... They are there for this meeting, and, and Megan has canceled the meeting so that she can arbitrate uh, between the two of them. She plays peacemaker and tries to negotiate an actual, like, um, a compromise between the two right. of them. She's like, you both have something to lose if, if either of you squeal, so why don't you just both cut the shit and, and move forward and uh, don't do anything or I will turn you both in. And they essentially just like shake on it really quickly. Um, that And that's pretty much, I think, where that ends. We have a little bit of Michael left. But in terms of that story, uh, I think I think we're good. Do you yeah. remember about 75 days ago if I've left anything out there? No, I think you're good. I mean, I think that there was a little bit like, 
of like you know Peter sort of uh, not Peter um Michael like, trying to like get Megan back right like she's like kind of carting him around because he can't drive so she like drops him at the beach house and he's trying so he's trying to sort of like woo her and she ain't having it no but again he was still a major d-bag to her when she first went to him in the hospital in this episode right. just cared about the files so it's like right. you know it's there's only so there's only so much that she will let herself take right all right let's go to i guess my least favorite story here okay, which, which is, is craig craig and jennifer yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's just rewind to the end of the season five finale, right before Dear Sid was killed. As Craig, the, the newlywed, was congratulated by Jennifer with a big old Fredo kiss on the lips. Mm-hmm. She already she, made she doesn't Craig. know they don't know each other, right? Like before this. Like there was no, no there's no reason to there's no reason to know each other. They haven't worked yeah. together at all. They weren't both, I think. No, they, I don't even think they would have run into each other unless it was one time at Kyle's, uh, at the upstairs. Um, so yeah, so there she was at the end of last week, kind of consoling Craig when he threw all the wedding gifts in the pool. Um, so now she sees him, he's like nursing a beer by the mailbox. Uh, he's surly and she, he tells her to go to hell. So then she follows him to the apartment and yells at him, um, and says, you know, like, I've experienced pain, too. And when someone tells me to go to hell, I'm going to yell at them. And then he has this monologue about how, you know, he couldn't wait for the honeymoon with Sid because they'd only slept together a handful of times. They didn't sleep together the night before the wedding because Sid wanted it to be special during the honeymoon. And all he wants is to be on the honeymoon um, with Sid. And Jennifer basically takes advantage she straddles him and she's like i'll be your sydney right i'll be sid i mean like what i will say is i knew that of course they were going to put craig and jennifer together i didn't think they were going to fast track it this fast this is very accelerated Yeah. yeah i mean that was like i was sort of like whoa what's what what i'll be yeah i'll be fair Daniel Day-Lewis could not have sold this monologue that David Charvet has. No. But David Charvet is not Daniel Day-Lewis, so it's still even worse than it could have been in a prose hand. Y'all, the whole thing was so friggin' cringy from, like, it's his so monologue to his, the, the, the words, the delivery, and then poor Alyssa Milano straddling him and being like, I will be your Sydney tonight, or whatever the fuck she said. I mean, yeah, the that's whole- basically verbatim. Yeah. The whole thing, I was just like, I had my hand kind of over my forehead, over my eyes, shaking my head. Like, this is just bad TV. This is just bad TV. It was. I mean, it was that's bad the, TV. That's, that is the most direct thing I can say. Yeah. So, yeah, they sleep together. You know, Sid's body is barely cold. Um, and then the morning after, Craig is hungover and disgusted. Um, and, and he basically throw up. Throw up. Yeah. And, yeah. And Billy is doing this weird, like, side stroke in the pool. It's kind of like <laughs> if you were in an accident and we're in a physical therapy class. I mean, not like someone who, 
uh, is this like big athlete should be doing. So, but he's there and he's witnesses Jennifer coming out of Craig's. Um, and, and she basically says, it's all part of my plan. And I don't know what her full plan what is. Plan? What plan? Because she seemed nonplussed by the whole thing. Because she yeah. was like, yeah. She didn't, seem, she didn't seem really taken by surprise. Uh, and didn't really seem to ruin the rest of her day. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Really, know, don't really know what, what she has in mind. But this whole thing is kind of garbage. You know, it's sort of interesting because there are like kind of two ways that you can, like I know with my books, right, there are kind of two ways that I can approach things where I can either write it where I can let the reader in on what's going on. So the reader knows what's happening, but the main character, for example, has no idea, right? Like, so you can write it like that so that, you know, the reader's in the know and they're kind of like yelling at the character, kind of like, you know, don't go in the basement during a horror movie Mm -hmm. when the lights are out, all you have is flashlight, bad idea. Like you can have like the, the reader or you can be, you know, the character is in the dark and you leave the reader in the dark, you know? And I feel like, what well, I don't even know what my point was here, but I kind of feel no, like- No, you're onto it. You're were, onto I, a great, yeah. I kind of feel like they were trying to do something like that, but in this instance, the viewer, the reader really kind of needs to know because right now I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck? You know, and I'm wondering, and given Melrose's penchant for, uh, you know, reinventing history. Abandoning. Yeah, like rewriting histories. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm kind of wondering, like, did they just throw this in there just in case? Yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, but you hit on something really smart and you know it's it goes back you know like Hitchcock said you know it's the difference between suspense and horror where the audience knows something so they're waiting for the bomb to go off and that tension creates the suspense but otherwise when the bomb just goes off out of nowhere and nothing ultimately happens you know I'm not referring to like when Melrose actually had a bombing that was a bad example. That, <laughs> um, that was something else <laughs> but like we don't know if Jennifer has a game plan we don't know like where this came from or or like overall what this means so it just feels sloppy it feels messy it feels kind of pointless I had no idea Hitchcock said that look at me being all Hitchcockian you are you are look at me but yeah, it was it was kind of a sloppy mess. And I am like not a fan. Look, I'm not a fan of Craig. I, I could like want this. To, like I was kind of, why didn't he get hit by the car too? Yeah, because I guess he didn't want to leave the show. Ugh. I'm going to have more to say about Craig as a character like a bit later on this season, but not yet. You know, it's um, weird. Look, I didn't watch a lot of Baywatch. I maybe watched a couple of episodes because it was one of those things. All? you know yeah of course like it was one of it was back when like you didn't have a lot of choices on tv and like yeah, and you, you just had, put something on to have something on yeah you would just put something if you were like i feel like watching tv let's see what's on you know and you would just put it on i don't remember him being this terrible no but i don't think he had emotions to play then it I mean, was just him running on the beach did. at that point yeah. right yeah. like he was just running he's very good at that and that's what he should have stuck to yeah I, I mean, this was career advancement, but he doesn't have the stuff. No. And unfortunately, he doesn't have anyone here to help him. Um, yeah. In the writer's room or in the cast. And now that he I'm has no I'm not going to blame Alyssa. I'm not going to blame Alyssa Milano. I'm no, not. I don't. 
No, I don't blame her. No, I mean in general. I mean like anywhere you look. Because we're about to talk about Billy and Sam a bit. So oh. that, I mean like in general. I mean this cast. Because, you know, like, I mean, Heather Locklear is doing a fine job nowadays. But she and Craig just don't have enough going on together to, for her to help him. There is and even no Alyssa Milano doesn't really either. have enough to do with him yeah. to help him. Because he's doing as much without her as he is There's with There's no chemistry there either. He had no chemistry with anyone, not even Sid. No. But, I mean, he had, I you would know, say they he had fling, the most they, chemistry. The problem with Craig is he's such an island. They fling him back and forth to these women, but he never had a significant long relationship with any of them. Right. He had Sid for three episodes. He slept with Amanda once. He hit on Sid, no, excuse me, on Sam. They went out for a couple episodes, and it was chased, and it was over. Yeah. So anyway, so speaking okay, of, of messes, yeah. we do finally get a bit more of Sam. Cause she, so we're at Sky High Advertising, which is apparently, you know, like crash landing real quick. Um, and Sam approaches Craig at the office uh, to apologize. And I forget what she says to him, but it must have been the word maybe, because I just made a note, whatever she was wearing, I think, probably looked like shit because I wrote Sam maybe you should button your buttons it was some like mid 90s thing that I guess was like showing midriff or whatever um and I guess I wasn't a fan of it so if you are re-watching the episode uh just m make a point to check out what Brooke Langton is wearing in this scene um she's talking about how she's having scary dreams and she thinks that maybe she and Craig can make some sort of peace and he throws her out and she talks to Bill or she goes back to Billy and said this was a dumb idea and she leaves so I guess it was Billy's dumb idea <laughs> I mean either Billy said you should do this or she said I think I'm going to do this and Billy said oh, okay so it was going to be one of, of those um, but again we didn't see them talk about that uh, in, their, in their apartment um, there is one scene with Amanda because Billy approaches Amanda and asks her to launch an unfriendly takeover of Sky High because yeah. it is crashing. And she says, maybe. She does later tell Kyle it sounds tempting. Um, and none of that really has to do with any of the other Amanda Kyle stuff. So I'll leave that here. And then we go back to Melrose, or rather the, the, the block, the cul-de-sac right outside Melrose Place. I guess the I guess we're on Melrose Place proper, the street. Craig is in his car, caressing that locket that Sid left him, that Jennifer found for him at the end of last week's episode. And he has decided the solution is to kill Sam. <laughs> so Sam has just gotten home, I guess, from her job as the candy striper checkout girl again. Um, and she's parked the car, getting out of it. And that's when Craig turns the car and speeds up and tries to run her down. But he stops himself just before he has a chance to hit her. Um, and then he gets out and they both sit down on the sidewalk. Uh, she's like sort of in shock and sort of just um, in like bad, like bad acting place. And they both say everything that happened with Sid was their fault. He blames himself because he didn't push Sid out of the way and get hit himself. And, you know, she sort of blames, takes the blame because, you know, she didn't turn her dad in. Um, right. 
<laughs> and basically they they both hug and forgive each other and the only other note i wrote there is this is so bad because it's yeah so and and felt really pointless like it felt like him blaming Sam and all of that drama around that for the past two episodes really felt pointless because I think it would have been, you know, Billy was working for Craig. Craig could have made Billy's life miserable. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there were things that they could have done here with this um, that that they just now can't do. Yeah, the the puzzle pieces were in place. You know, Sid and Sam having this season-long rivalry and. Billy working for Craig, and yeah, there were definitely things that could have continued um, to spiral out because of how it was all connected. But you can't, but you can't play this like a real life tragedy and the emotions that would ensue because you're not that kind of show. And particularly with Sam, and particularly with Craig, you don't, you don't have actors who can even try to elevate it into something that would. Yeah. Um, so I think we just moved beyond this like they've done some decent fan service and continuing to like mourn sydney but i think we're uh, eventually just gonna move forward from there so uh, this was actually like all done in service to the fans so that th that they would mourn sydney properly as opposed to just like like if it wasn't if it wasn't in service to the fans like craig would have woken up season one and been like oh what a beautiful morning and like forgot that he got married <laughs> yeah i feel i feel like there there was that where oh my god you know like so i mean we didn't mention joe once after she was gone well we did literally just mention her once but like you know craig could have been grief stricken all during episode one and by episode two like he's back at the office and they just move forward with like him and Jennifer or whatever. I feel like there's a little bit of like, we're going to let you guys miss it here. And they may be completely reading something that I want in there, but you know, like they did not do that with their other characters after they no. left the show. Jane left. Nobody cared. Allison left. No conversation. I think maybe they mentioned Matt once, but it was, Oh, Coop's moving into Matt's old apartment. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. You know, so actually, yeah, I don't, they, they don't tend to sort of bring, you know, these characters back in terms no, of like, not. even just yeah. talk about, oh, unless you're um, Kimberly, then you come back as a ghost for a minute. For just a minute. But oh. just a minute. Yeah, yeah, just a minute. Or in that dream sequence or whatever the hell it was that they did. <laughs> and that was all. And, you know, Brooke actually had the longest post-mortem life of anyone because she yeah. wanted Billy for a whole storyline. Yes, she did. Well, we don't need to talk about season four because no. I know you find that triggering. I hate season four. Okay, who's next? Okay. So now we go to Amanda, um, who we see at the upstairs, and she's moody because she has just found out about Taylor's pregnancy. Um, and at first she doesn't tell Kyle, but then she eventually does. And it looks like they're kind of going to be able to like let that baggage just exist and move forward. She gives Kyle a key to her apartment. Looks like their relationship is moving full speed ahead. Um, and, and then at Kyle's, Taylor is acting all pissy and he sees her drinking wine. Um, and Kyle gets mad at Peter and, and then Taylor kind of leans into the misunderstanding because they sort of never said it, but I guess it was understood in 
last week's episode that Peter was aware that Taylor was lying. Taylor wasn't really pregnant. So Amanda thinks Taylor is pregnant and it's erroneous. So now Taylor has found a new opportunity, which is to convince Kyle that she is pregnant and that it's Kyle's from several months back. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but okay. The problem there is, as we will be reminded, Taylor still isn't pregnant. Right. But that is like, uh, you know, a minor detail for her because she has got this elaborate new plan in store, which is she has rapidly gotten over Peter and has decided she wants Kyle back, even though they basically just hated each other for the second half of the season, and even though Kyle is involved with Amanda. Um, so now Taylor, and this is this is where the show seems to take on a new personality for me. Taylor goes back to Peter, basically just kind of shunts aside their history of him being abusive to her and her lying to him and conspiring with Michael about him and decides, okay, here's a new plan. I'm going to get back together with Kyle. They believed in the lie and I'm going to compound it about being his kid. And I'm going to say that it's not yours because you're sterile and you're just going to do this. And, and he's kind of like, okay, I'll do this. So, so then we see Kyle in bed with Amanda and he's been apparently very aloof during um, their, their adult session of romance. Uh, he tells Amanda that Taylor says she's pregnant with his child. Amanda, rightly, doesn't believe it and storms right down to Taylor's in her leopard sheets uh, and says that she doesn't believe her. And Taylor kind of plays, and then Kyle kind of runs behind her. Taylor plays Kyle um, and is like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want this to be a problem, but, but it is yours and I'm not lying, which is of course a lie. Uh, and then Taylor is able to see through the blinds, through the window, remember the same window that Allison was spying on the whole apartment with a couple episodes ago. Um, she watches as Amanda and Kyle kind of uh, become estranged and even though she just gave Kyle a key to her apartment, Amanda's like, I think you should sleep at your place. Um, so it looks like Taylor's plot is already working. Uh, Amanda then approaches Peter and, at the office and asks if he is sterile, and he lies to confirm it. Um, and later, Peter, right after that, I guess, Peter calls Taylor to say that she came by that he lied to Amanda, and now all that you need to do is get pregnant. And, oh, okay, here's a note. I didn't know what I was saying. I, I was reminded watching the scene, the note says Heather was pregnant here. And I'm like, there's no character named Heather. I reminded, Heather Locklear is actually pregnant here herself during this season. Oh. And what they did was, they did something called double ups where they filmed the entire like first half of the season real quickly. They did two a week instead of one so that she could like have her maternity leave. And then I guess come back for the back end of the season. So you're actually going to see a pregnant Heather Locklear in a bunch of these scenes. Now, did they do the thing where they're constantly obscuring her belly? Yeah. I, I feel like okay. I have a distinct memory of that happening. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, because there's no way they're going to just let her walk around. I can't imagine they're going to just let her kind of, like, be pregnant and not, like, you know, sometime. Like, I kind of remember, I wish I could remember what shows did that, but I kind of remember shows where, like, the character, like, the actor would be pregnant. And they and it wouldn't be written into the storyline. They would make no mention of it. The character was just preg like just pregnant. I think but it was it like could be wrong, but I think on Home Improvement, Patricia Richardson was pregnant during a season. And I think it was her wearing a lot of like untucked oversized shirts and carrying a laundry basket. I feel like yeah. that was the entire season. <laughs> and I think on Seinfeld Julia Louis Dreyfus was pregnant during one of the later seasons. And they certainly didn't write it in. They didn't acknowledge it. But I also think they didn't even really bother covering it up. She was just bigger and they didn't say anything. Like, yeah, like, like they kind I of, think that might have been it. Yeah. I yeah. think like, yeah, she wore like some bigger clothes, obviously. But I think beyond that, they just didn't even do anything yeah. to address it. Yeah, didn't acknowledge it. Didn't even be like, are you gaining some weight? Like nothing. It was just like she just existed. And I, which I think it was actually kind of great. Yeah, I think I liked it, too. I feel like yeah. they didn't even really, like, have her hide behind, like, kitchen counters or be seated at restaurant tables a lot. I feel like they were just like, yeah, we don't care. You know she's pregnant. We know she's pregnant. Elaine's not pregnant. Yeah. Right, right. And suspend your disbelief. I mean, it wasn't like they were trotting around and, like, like maternity where, where you, like, had the belly and you were like, oh, she's pregnant. Like, it was just, like, it was just, like, normal whatever. It was great. Yeah. I, I remember really digging it and being like... Oh, this is, it. but they don't do that that often. I can't, like, there are no instances where they're not hiding it. If they, if they don't address it, they're hiding, you know what I mean? Like, if they're not going to write it into the storyline. Right. Either they write it in or, or they, like, hide it as much as they can. Yeah. 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 Incidentally, so I've been thinking about this whole thing with the uh, Taylor's pregnancy storyline. Mm -hmm. I think she is also pregnant in real life here. Because I know by the end of this season is when she has her first kid with Harry Hamlin. So what I think is initially they had no, the writers had no interest in like sort of doubling back on the Taylor is pregnant storyline. I think that was just what she was going to tell Peter at the end of season five. And then I think during the summer hiatus, I think Lisa Rinna told the production that she was pregnant and this is what they concocted to write her pregnancy in. Because in order to fool Kyle and Amanda, she's going to eventually at some point have to actually be pregnant and show. And so I think this was what they devised to accommodate Rinna's real life pregnancy. And I do not know that for sure. Okay, see, here's the thing. I kind of loved this whole subterfuge that's going on here. Because it, it kind of reminds me of like season two Melrose where shit just started yeah. getting real camp real fast and it was fun because this is just fun but here's the thing it feels different to me maybe like what you were talking about the week before about how it feels like the show has a different tone when Rinna is playing scenes and when she's playing scenes with Thomas Calabro they feel campy but when she's playing it with Rob Estes and with Jack right. Wagner, they right. don't. They feel more not landing, just serious to me. Well, I don't like her and Jack Wagner at all. I don't like the dynamic that was set up between them. I don't like, I, because, 
because you've got because when they're together, you're right. It's like they're on a completely different show. Yeah. You know, be, the way the way that they're acting, the lines that they're given, the storyline itself, like Melrose Place doesn't push the love interests off of towers. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. like that like you know, the characters don't do that. They're not, you know, this isn't this isn't Dynasty or Dallas. You know, um exactly. this, this is a lot lighter, you know, and a little bit more true to life in, in a sense. But so, so I just, I, yeah, I hate those two together. And I, you know, I don't even mind Rena with, um, with Kyle Estes. I, I feel like the tone is sort of, uh, particularly when they're bickering, the ex-spouse tone, I think is great between them. Um, as, as as they bicker, but it's like I like it when they fight, but I don't like it when it's something um, uh, like a bit more just like adult. Well, I also think that um, you know, when we met, Rob, like they're doing a lot of backpedaling with Rob yeah. Estes' character too. I mean, when we first met him, he had cheated on Taylor with Alyssa Milano with Jennifer, right? Um, and that was the big cheat that sent her basically packing to L.A. where she because she found located Peter, her obsession. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and when he came back, he was kind of like this hard party and Marine, ex-Marine. Um, you know, his best friend shows up and they're out carousing till two in the morning, three in the morning, like all night, you know, which doesn't make Taylor happy. You know, so. So, but all of a sudden he is like this stand-up guy. Yeah. You know, um, the the model husband, you know, the model boyfriend to Amanda. He, he but, is know? essentially Jake all over yes. again. Yes, there you go. Yeah, he's he's essentially Jake all over again. You're absolutely right. And so and so that that's what's kind of bugging me the most about about this character. And I don't know, I like Rob Estes, but again, like I will qualify that with, he is just eye candy to me. I think he is one of the most good looking men ever. Like I just, I yeah. love, oh, I could watch him for days. Yeah, very attractive guy. And you he know, seems like a kind guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you know, that's why I'm sort of qualifying this. Like I'll watch him on TV. I don't mind at all. You know, he can suck. I don't care. But I do think that they've done some serious backpedaling with this character, um, and oh. and that's where it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I agree. And we'll be curious to see how your opinion continues to as the season progresses. Well, I can only imagine that they're going to give him, you know, a bigger and bigger halo. I mean, you know, that that's just the direction that we're going and I don't think that's going to change. Um oh my I'm God. not sure they I well, I'm honestly I don't remember completely. I want to say that isn't exactly what happens. But oh. uh, but I don't know, but I don't remember exactly so we'll have to see. Real quick, just to finish things up, Kyle and Amanda do make up at the end of the episode at, at the upstairs. Um, and, uh, oh, and she does mention to Kyle again that, that Billy had uh, planted the seed about taking over Sky High and that she was thinking it over. She also tells Peter, and there's sort of like a truce there where he's supportive and it's 
it's kind of like, all right, they've kind of reached the end of uh, their mutual hatred. Mm-hmm. I think I just think their storylines are going to shift away from each other for the better part of the season now. Um, and then, of course, there is one final scene at the beach house with Michael. Uh, Coop is actually there, and he alludes to a messy divorce of his, but that's all we get. And then Taylor shows up wearing, like, barely a slip. Um, <laughs> and she explains to Michael that she's going to be faking a pregnancy and and says that she will need access to a sperm bank and, of course, blackmails him to help her out. So that is the part of the storyline that, like, leans into old school yes. Melrose that I'm here. Yes, yes. Yes. And because Michael's involved and Taylor's involved, and again, that's the fun dynamic right now, I can only imagine that this is going to be wackier and wackier. Yeah, I think it does get wackier indeed. But I I have no memory of like, there's like a big cloud of what happens for the next few episodes in my memory. I, I remember further down some of the other things, but nothing like right where we are here. Yeah. And I mean, look, I was I was sort of, you know, mixed on this episode. Um, I think that there were some great moments. I think that there are some already storylines that feel completely tired. Um, Samantha, uh, Craig, um, you know, but it's not season four. Right. So at least there's that. Yeah. As we'll probably keep saying. Yes. Okay. Um, So we're going to hit the boulevard, yo. We are kicking things 2021 style. If you just follow us over, please. Talking about some TV stuff and also some scandals. So I shall, I shall say no more. All right. We'll see you over there. Yep. And um, hopefully, again, we're all staying as healthy as we can. Um, everyone stay strong. And we will see you uh, next week when we are back on the block. <laughs>